I've been thinking a lot about mercy. Actually, I've been thinking a lot about Star Wars, too. I guess there's a connection. Last week, I said that mercy can only be shown to someone who is actually guilty. And I still believe that to be the case. Not to be confused with compassion. That's the kind of mercy that Anakin Skywalker is told not to show as he goes deeper and deeper into the dark side and becomes Darth Vader. Interesting that at the end of episode 6, he ends up showing mercy to Luke and spares his life. Is it mercy? Not sure. Is it compassion? Not entirely. Is it love? Yes, that's what it is. And that's what I've been thinking about. You cannot separate mercy from love. The only reason why God is perfectly merciful is because he is perfect love. This is why Pope Francis has invited us to open doors of mercy all over the place. It is estimated that there will be some 10,000 holy doors that will be opened throughout the world during this Jubilee of Mercy. These are doors of love. We open doors to walk through them. We go through doors to go inside a space, but also to go outside. Let this year of mercy be one where we go inside a space of love, where we can contemplate on those who have trespassed against us and who we need to forgive. But it's also go outside of those spaces where we are holding on to old grudges and pain, where we are unwilling to forgive. I guess that's what Darth Vader does. But more importantly, that's what Luke does as he forgives his guilty father and welcomes him home. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. We're almost at the end of the year. Next week will be our Christmas special. Can you believe it? Thanks to all of you who listen to the program and who've supported it through the years. I'd like to invite you to please continue to support us and to support Catholic Radio. What we do takes money and we depend 100% on donations. Please consider becoming a monthly donor through our Guardians program. That will ensure that we have a predictable income for 2016. Check out our website, saltandlighttv.org to find out how that works. Now, we have a jam-packed show today. Emily will be here with our news, and after that, Danny Torquia will be here to give us some tips on public relations. That's in about 15 minutes, and in today's Connect 5, Sebastian Gomes will speak with an Irish priest, Father Brendan Collins. They speak about the referendum that legalized same-sex marriage in Ireland. That's at the end of our first half hour. In the second half hour, we will be speaking with TV host and author Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle. She has a new book where she tells all about her challenges as a young adult and as a young mother who suffered abuse, miscarriages, tremendous suffering, poverty, bad choices, but then discovered through the saints the beauty of the cross. It's a fascinating story. Good to begin our year of mercy. So that's in about half an hour. And then we end the program with a featured chat with Audrey Assad, who has a new album, not quite released yet, but you'll be able to hear some of it today here on the Salt and Light Hour. The album is called Inheritance, and it's a collection of old and favorite hymns. Of course, Audrey Assad style. So let's begin with a song from that album. Here's Holy, Holy, Holy from Audrey Assad's new album, Inheritance.
That was Audrey Assad with Holy, Holy, Holy from her new album, Inheritance. And we're going to be speaking with Audrey Assad in our second half hour. But first, here's Emily with our news. Emily. Hey, Pedro. So uh, Pope Francis, and and this is important for me because I'm a Latin American and we have a Latino Pope and Our Lady of Guadalupe is a big... Like your patron. She's well, she is the patron of all Americans, exactly. including you. But yeah. but for Latin Americans, she's I don't know. There's something about a Latin American pope doing Our Lady of Guadalupe. So tell me about that mass last Saturday. Yeah, well, it was the second time that the pope celebrated this mass. Last yeah. year was was especially special as well. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because um, extra special. Yes, um, he celebrated the a mass with the Misa Criolla, which yeah, is Misa a, Criolla, f- a, Latin, a unique Latin, yes. Latin American Absolutely. liturgy. Yes. Um, this year it wasn't it, that didn't happen, but no. it was still um, unique because. We know that Pope Francis has a very strong devotion to yes. Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yes. He refers to Our Lady a lot, and and um, yeah, and so and so this was particularly special to have brought that devotion into the into yes, Rome, at, very cool. into the Vatican, right? And he made an announcement. He did make an announcement. Well, yes. Yeah, so he announced that he was going to Mexico, which we we already knew. Yeah. But I still <laughs> think it's not official, but when the Pope announces it, it kind of makes it official. Kind of. Well, they yeah. had a press conference after yes. the Mass as okay, well. Yes, so it's official. And so, yes. In ex- February, correct? In February, from, yes. uh, from the 12th to the 18th, That's he will be visiting five different cities. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one of, so those cities are Mexico City, uh, Ecapetec, if I'm mm-hmm. saying that yes. properly, San Cristobal, uh, Morelia, and Ciudad Juarez. Yes, yeah, Juarez right? yes. um, so he'll be visiting um, like the populations that poor that are marginalized, yes. um, regions of high crime. Um, he'll be visiting prisoners and youth, um, indigenous populations, mm-hmm. as well as migrants, which, you know, will yeah, happen when he'll be at that's yeah, Ciudad. Juarez. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The border town between yeah, uh, El Paso. Yeah. It's on the other side. Yeah, I know. Right. I know. So it's it's quite significant. And he he really wanted also to go to these cities that other popes hadn't gone to. Yes. So that was um, that's also um, a unique a unique thing about about this trip. And and really, um, he's even said the main reason of this trip is to go visit the sanctuary um, of Our Lady oh, of, Guadalupe. of Guadalupe. Yes. Right. Nice place. Yeah. Yes. We've also got uh, the general audience, which uh, he, <laughs> yeah, so every Wednesday. But now, I mean, he's kind of moved on from his catechesis on the family. Right. Um, he's starting these these catechesis on, on mercy, mercy now, um, which, uh, which, as we know, opened um, on December 8th. And so um, on Wednesday, he... He spoke about how mercy cannot just be something that we speak about or that, you know, we use these beautiful words to describe mercy or talk about it, that it needs to become something concrete in our lives. Right. Um, and and it has to be like a, a lifestyle is, uh-huh. is the expression he used without any interruption. So it's not just something that, that we should like schedule in for this one year right. um, because of the Jubilee, but that, that we need to continue and to live out throughout our whole life. Um, he mentioned the holy doors as well, which to to go through a holy door yeah. is a sign of our confidence in God. Mm. Um, and and he also warned against people maybe trying to make money out of you know passing the holy door. He, yeah, he gave this warning. Yeah, and uh, saying that you know um, that salvation is is free. Right. <laughs> it's for everyone, and so right. we sh- we. Do not have to pay to go through. Yeah, go like through who Holy thinks Door. of that? Well, I'm sure somebody thinks of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, another one that uh, he, another important symbol mm-hmm. of this Jubilee Year for Mercy um, is confession. 
And okay. so that that going to confession is an exp- an, a, a direct experience of God's mercy. Uh-huh. Um, and he says, you know, sometimes it's not always easy to forgive, you know, but with God and, and by by experiencing his own mercy, we are able to become ourselves merciful towards Amen. others. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he calls priests in the confessional. He calls them missionaries of mercy. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's a nice image. Um, and I'll just finish off um, yes. by saying that it was also the Pope's birthday <laughs> on, Thursday. <laughs> on Thursday. Yeah, yes. exactly. And so um, they did something special for him on the eve of his uh-huh. birthday. So during the general audience, um, they, there was a, sp- a concert um, with a, a chorus that sang in Spanish. Choir, yeah. Last year, uh-huh. they did something special as well. They had like this massive tango party uh-huh. happening yes, on St. Peter's Square. Yes, and he tango. That's great. Right. Yeah. So, uh, cool. so, yeah. So How old is the Pope? Do we know? 79, 79. I believe. Yeah. Amazing. Well, right? happy birthday, Pope Francis. Yeah. Thank you very much, Emily. My pleasure. You can stay up to date with what's happening in the church with our daily perspectives updates in several languages and that's also where you'll be able to stay up to date with everything the pope is doing especially when he goes to mexico it's all easy to find at saltandlighttv.org and also on our roku channel hi this is lorraine hess and you're listening to the salt and light hour with deacon pedro I'm Deacon Pedro. You can stay in touch with what's happening on this show by following me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for Media Ministry Minutes with Danny Torquia. Danny, welcome back to the program. Congrats. So happy to be with you and your listeners, Deacon Pedro. Absolutely. Now, you know that expression uh, that I think is attributed to St. Francis, preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. I think a lot of people take that as an, an, an excuse. Not an excuse, sorry. A reason to, that we should always be preaching the gospel, but that doesn't mean we need to be using words all the time. You agree? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, behavior is the best. Uh, being in the present and behaving a certain way uh, leads to, is obviously a sign of leadership. It's a sign of great communications and great relationships. Right. And, and, and a lot of times, all of our organizations need to look at are we using words a little too much and, and falling short maybe on, on the behavior? Okay, so you have, you're not saying that we shouldn't use words. Use words, but words go further when we do use them appropriately in other, in, with other... Uh, so you have some tips, like other things that we should be looking at other than words. Yeah, you know, I remember when I um, spent a few uh, years working at Salt and Light a few years ago, yes. I, me- I met with a senior executive of uh, CTV, one of Canada's largest networks, Yep. And his advice when we talked about um, limited budgets, uh, difficult studios, not we were not endowed like CBC or or uh, other studios in the U.S. and yes. ABC. He suggested he said television, like anything in life, comes down to smiling, engaging faces, happy people, full of joy, and and a plurality of faces. That is what makes television, and I think that's nonverbal. And, Interesting. And, and happy people and and joyful communications persons, joyful leaders. Um, is is what will attract people. So I think everything flows from there. When you're building a communications plan, you've got to make sure you've got happy people, good people who are working hard uh, to to build real relationships, starting in the office, mm-hmm. and and then building outward. And then so before you go to just words, let's let let's not forget the use of videos and images and smiling humanity as a really good way to attract people to the church. And then you bring them in. Uh, these days I've been talking about like the catechism and 
very specific things about theology and our doctrine. It's like the milk in a grocery store. You need it, it's critical, but you've got to put it in the back. Before that, you need the beautiful aisles, beautiful, inviting doors, clean floors, happy, smiley ushers, whether it's Walmart or in Canada, Loblaws in the U.S. Publix. Yeah. We want to, as a group, as a faith group, really show people that we're joyful and that they can, they're welcome to walk with us. Okay, so you, you mentioned, you said two things. So you said nonverbal, and I would say that, that one of the lessons that you're saying is that if we're going to use words, we need to not focus not just on what we're saying, but how we're saying it, because that's the nonverbal. So yes. is it is it a, a good, happy person with that message? Um, uh, someone who's committed, who's passionate, I, I think that's part of what you're saying. Um, and you're also talking about not literal nonverbal, like using images and video and the packaging. Yeah, absolutely. And I think our world now, you know, people are on the go. People are very distracted. People are consuming media, which we're talking media ministry minutes, yep. uh, in a very fast-paced, go-go-go uh, world. So that means we have to communicate at a higher frequency, but in sh- smaller bursts. And, uh, and that, that lends itself to tablets and iPhones and even websites or newsletters. We, we encourage hyper-communications, regular communications, but smaller, more focused. And then, of course, uh, lest we forget, we all have to listen perhaps more. Perhaps that's a New Year's resolution for some communications yeah. people, is to just listen more and then, and then respond to all types of questions. Right. Okay. So maybe we can end, uh, uh, if you can give us an example. So you're saying like if, if there's a church organization or a, or a not-for-profit and they, want, they have no budget and they want to you know, communicate a message to not write it out, especially with church teaching. We, we, it's just, you can't just write down the whole you know, church's teaching on why we should sponsor refugees. Um, yes. But you'd better off showing a photo of a little kid. I mean, is that not manipulative? Um, uh, you know, showing the picture of the little kid with, you know, tears and then putting in sure. a, a, a caption that says, you know, we're all refugees hoping to get home. You know Hashtag what? It, it, uh, we can be attacked. I, I, the, the best thing is if you think something is contrived or you're using a picture or somebody inappropriately, make sure you, you um, ask the people you're supporting if they approve of it. Like okay. if you're going to put what I mean, is it's OK to put someone's image uh, up front. Um, as long as you're really doing good and, and you have everyone's approval. But I, what I want to say more than that, in response to your, your comment, is that we, we actually should show testimonials of people who are supporting right. refugees and who are empathetic to the cause of perhaps persecuted Christians in Syria and why they're helping and why this appeals to them so, and why this is making them happy. So if I'm a volunteer or if I've sponsored a refugee uh, seeking asylum and, and building a new life, and I'm a, a husband. Right. Why am I doing this? Why did I put in a thousand bucks or twenty bucks or preparing meals and homeless for a visitor? And why am I happy doing that? Right. Those are the and that comes through in a um, one paragraph testimonial in print. That comes through in a picture, um, you know, with very small text or a yes. little video of thirty seconds. It comes out real nice. Absolutely. Okay. So so if I get in, I mean, I think people get. The, why we need to use videos. We've done a whole segment on why we need to use images and, and what those images need to look like. I think that what I'm really getting from what you're saying here is that we need to have happy people <laughs> doing Well, also it. word economy. And in PR, you, you call it technically, writers think about word economy. Yeah. And so I think everyone should, should uh, you know, consolidate their text, speak less, do more, communicate right. more, not so lengthy. 
Uh, it's good to have a press release, but it, gone are the days of a two-pager. It could be it could be more efficient to do half a page. Right, right. So and, making and more often. So making the word flesh, making in a it sense. flesh, and yeah, and, and more often, less words, more uh, go closer to humanity. So ideally, meetings, ideally listening. If not, pictures. And and then and then uh, and small text. Absolutely. Okay, that's very good advice. Thank you very much, Danny. My pleasure. All right, Danny Torquia is our public relations expert and the managing director of Torquia Communications. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Torquia. Hey, everybody. This is Luke Spihar. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. How are you going to spend the next five minutes of your time? How about listening in, meeting a fascinating person, and learning something relevant that will broaden your perspective? Sit down with Sebastian Gomes and go straight to the heart of the matter. Here's Connect 5. Today, Sebastian speaks with Father Brendan Collins. Father Collins is a priest of the Diocese of Derry, Ireland. They speak about the Irish referendum on same-sex marriage. There was a major referendum in Ireland recently uh, that saw gay marriage legalized and uh, the rest of the world was looking at, you know, Catholic Ireland and saying uh, this is a very significant moment. What was going through that experience like being a a part of the the Catholic Church in Ireland? Yeah, it was, um, without a doubt, it was a challenging, challenging time as we looked at what what marriage means for us. Um, I think post it we've seen how it has been an opportunity for us now to look at marriage as well within the church to go on because so many um, practicing Catholics voted yes. Um, they felt because um, of what they were being told and informed by the government, by those who were very vocal. So it was very difficult to try and find a place within that, within the church, to say, you know, no, we, we believe in voting no um, because you were looked at as being homophobic, um, that you weren't outward looking. Um, as a young priest in, in Catholic Ireland today, how can you be possibly encouraging someone to vote no? Um, so it was very difficult to be able to have our strong message because the other side was message seemed to be what everyone was, fo- was, was wanting to go for. This was not just a vote on this particular issue, but it looked, at least from the outside, that you had this country, this traditionally Catholic country, voting maybe not only in favor of gay marriage, but against the kind of institutional uh, authority and suggestions and teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. Is that a valid observation? I believe so, um, because I think um, people looking in at this, at Irish um, Catholics, you know, that if anywhere in the world this is going to be not voted in, it has to be within Ireland. Um, and it seemed like our, our voice was getting weaker and weaker, that it was difficult for us to speak out against because we were being valued then as being homophobic, um, that we didn't believe that um, people of um, gay orientation had a place within the church that they weren't being welcomed, that we, um, that we weren't being a part of society. And it was, it was a, as a young priest in Ireland, it was a really challenging time um, because you're coming from something that is contrary to what has been put out there in media, what has been publicized everywhere among the str- along the streets. Um, yeah, it was challenging. Now that you've seen uh, this sort of general vote among the population to go in this direction, what does that mean for the Catholic Church pastorally? Yeah, well, I think there has to be pastoral sensitivities, without a doubt. We have to be welcoming, which I believe we have always been. Um, you know, certainly I have done what I can to welcome 
um, those of, a, of um, gay orientation um, to come to our church to worship with our community. And I think it's an opportunity for us to look at catechesis um, because we have practicing Catholics um, who voted yes um, because they believed it was for a better, for a better good, a greater good. When, you know, when I know when I sit down with them and I talk with them, I talk with young people about it, um, this is a side that they haven't heard about. Um, they don't, we think about it, about the equal rights, you know, talk about the equal rights of the children. And is it not right for them to have a mother and a father um, to know both of them, if possible, within the greatest possible sense? It's not always, but, you know, so we're going to remove that from society. And is that a good thing? Were there any voices in the country that were not Catholic, that were also in favor of the no voter or supporting the Catholic Church's position on, on not changing the definition? Yeah, there were. Um, there were. There were those who were saying no, who were gay and who were living in a, uh, a gay relationship. Um, and they said no, they didn't believe it was right for society. And those voices were, were minimal, but they weren't getting the place. The media didn't, didn't seem to want to hear that voice, um, even for us as church. They, they weren't giving us the space. You know, the government were coming out and they were backing this. They were encouraging it, you know, for equal rights for everyone. And, I, it, it, uh, you know, we have to look at what is, what does equality actually mean? And I think that got lost, that we said this is my right um, for me. But society isn't about me individually. It has to be about us collectively. And so we're going to change something to suit my own specific needs. Whereas we have to think about what is the greater good and the common good of our society? What are we going to give to our society? What are we going to prepare the next generation for? Are we going to look back on this and think, what did we do? Um, what did we take away from our society? That was Sebastian Gomes speaking with Irish priest Father Brendan Collins. You can watch this and more interviews at saltandlighttv.org slash connect5. Coming up in our second half hour, Discovering the Beauty of the Cross Amidst Great Suffering, a featured chat with author Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle, and a featured chat with Audrey Assad, who has a new album, Inheritance. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Now, many of you may know Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle from her books and Catholic TV programs. What you may not know about her is how dark her young adult life was and how much pain and struggles she underwent as a young adult and young wife and mother. All of this is detailed in her new book, The Kiss of Jesus. Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle describes her tremendous suffering and abuse and how she came to overcome it all. And I'm very happy to say that Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle joins me now on the program. Donna Marie, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. It's so good to have you. I, I, there's so much to your story, I don't even know where to begin, but you know, life oh. full of struggles, bad choices, dysfunctional relationships, 
poverty, there was abuse, a boyfriend who held you hostage, abusive marriages, alcoholic husbands, multiple miscarriages, and finally, the struggles of being a single mother. And the first thing that I think of, just that long list, I think that's, for a lot of people, that's that's life. And we forget yeah. that. When you describe this part of your life, how how do you describe it now? Um, well, I think maybe in a nutshell, that would be like a crooked path. It was a crooked path that God made straight. Um, uh-huh. You know, God allowed uh, certain things to happen to me and to, to everyone so that, um, for many reasons, but one is so that we turn to Him and we right. ask for His grace and His strength and for courage and for all of our needs. So, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy life in a lot of ways, but... Uh, Amid the struggles and challenges, there was also the, the great joy and, and even, at times, peace in my heart, knowing that you know, God was going to take care of me, that God was taking care of me, right. even, though, even through the dark shadows. Right, and I love, I love how you described that, that it was a crooked path. That's very, very Advent, um, that a crooked path being made straight, and I think God does that a lot. Now, in yeah. reading your, your story, I found exactly the way you described it, that... I mean, it sounds like it was just a, like when I did the list, the whole just bad stuff and bad choices. But there are all these throughout moments of, you know, you kept going to Blessed Sacrament. You kept you were in the church. You kept going to Bible study group. You were prayerful. So they were, uh, you know, you had children and that obviously brought joy to your life. Um, how much of this and I don't even know what the question is exactly, but I'm mm-hmm. sure that there's I mean, we can talk about sinfulness and bad choices as opposed to kind of bad things happening to us? Well, I think what I can say is that you know, sometimes in life uh, things happen to us. For instance, being held captive yes. by a crazed uh, fiancé uh, who took away my freedom and who had guns and even a machine gun. and um, Other times, you know, uh, getting married and trusting that that vocation was going to unfold in the way that I had hoped and to have children, and yes, God blessed me with the children, but unfortunately my husband didn't embrace, um, you know, his role in being a husband and a father, so those were challenges right. there. So along the way, you know, in trying to make good choices, um, sometimes, you know, things go a, a different way and the path becomes crooked. Right. And, it's, and in some of our lives, um, you know, people also make choices that are that are not of God and that are not following our Lord. And, and in those cases, too, our Lord can bring good out of bad and can straighten that path as well when we when we turn our hearts him. Absolutely. That's that's good to remember. Um, you did mention that God was with you all along, and I do get that from reading this story. Can you give us maybe an example of how that was? Because I think at the time you were still obvious that, that you were aware of that, that God was with you throughout all this, this period. Can you give us an yes. example of how you were aware of that? Well, um, so many different times. Uh, well, let's see. Maybe I'll just I'll give it a very dramatic example of a time when I was being held captive by my ex-fiancé, my yes, fiancé at, at the time, time yeah. yeah, who um, who actually came running into the room and threw himself, his head into my lap and forced a pistol into my hand and tried to force my hand, my finger into the trigger and, and with his 
with his uh, strength, you know, pushing against me to try to get me to actually kill him right there on my lap. Um, you know, before that, it had been threats to my family to murder my family and to murder me if I didn't do what he asked. And then one time, you know, that day he, you know, got even crazier maybe uh, by trying to get me to kill him. Yes. Well, I just sat there with tears coming, pouring down my face and crying out to Jesus. And I had never felt so terrorized in my entire life. I just you know, I was about 18 years old, between 17 and 18 years old, and I was just crying, Jesus, 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 please help me. And and he did. And I knew I knew without a doubt that our Lord helped me because that guy got up and threw the gun against the wall and ran out of the room. Mm-hmm. Well, he came right back, put, picked up the gun and, and put it in his pocket, and I was still held captive. But I knew that our Lord had saved me from that, that terrible that terrible thing he was trying to do. So that's a, a, a right. dramatic example. Very but much so, yeah. So, so that was just a very hard thing to revisit when I wrote this book, uh, because yeah. it was a reality of my life that, you know, just seems like it was another another life some other time, um, you know, very long ago. But uh, I think it's important to, to share of yes. of our, our own individual, you know, unique stories and, and share the challenges and and suffering so that we could offer others a dose of hope because uh, everyone is wounded in some way. Everyone, is ha- everyone has troubles and challenges and maybe not as dramatic as, as being held captive with guns, a guy with guns and things, that sort of thing. Yes. But we, we all have, you know, all kinds of deep pain. And, and if we could share with others how our Lord brought us through and, you know, uh, it could really offer hope. Mm-hmm. But there are many times in my life, too, not so dramatic, but just knowing that yes. even though I didn't actually feel our Lord's presence or even, you know, you know, perceive it in any way, I, I had to put one foot in front of the other and walk in faith each day and just knowing, knowing in my heart that He was there, He was going to help me, and He had a plan. He's the divine physician, and even though... Um, you know, I might think that it's mm-hmm. going to turn out a different way, uh, or I hope it would. Our Lord know, knows and knew exactly what would be good for me. And right. I'm not saying He's a, a Lord above that is, is hoping for, you know, suffering and uh, hoping for us to suffer more than we, we need to. He, he's a Lord that knows what we need to help us right. to, to grow in holiness and to help the, the others that He puts uh, in our midst that we are responsible to minister to so you know so there's just so much that he does and a lot of times we we don't know of his presence by being able to feel it or to sense it but we have to trust and to surrender our hearts and to believe that he is there and he shows us over and over again that he truly is amen now maybe uh i would say almost as dramatic uh maybe at the time you didn't realize it but you had the chance to meet a saint in person mother Teresa. tell us about that encounter Sure, thank you for asking about that, because she, she was such a spiritual mother and mentor to me, and um, of course I feel I didn't deserve this beautiful blessing of of being introduced to a, a living saint, someone I knew in my heart was, was a living saint, even though right now she's considered blessed, yes. and her canonization would, will happen at some point, yes. I have no doubt. But um, through Father John Hardin, a very holy man uh, in his own right, of, of, I thought uh, and still believe was a living saint. He he was very holy, and he was a world-renowned theologian. 
I happened to be his friend, and um, and he was my spiritual director as well. And he, in a roundabout way, introduced me to Mother Teresa because uh, she was in town in Washington D.C. when where he was stationed, and he had told me that. Um, the sisters have a house for the dying and that we should go over there with our family because we were visiting Father yes. Hardin that, that time. Anyway, so to make a long story short, we, we did visit, and we had a beautiful visit with the sick and suffering there, and we saw how beautiful the sisters were in serving uh, God's poor, you know, serving the suffering, and we saw such joy radiating from them. It was very contagious. Mm-hmm. And so they invited us back the following day to a private mass, and, and it was at that private mass that I met Mother Teresa, and afterward, um, a beautiful encounter with her and with uh, her with my family, and I thought that that was just so amazing, and I thought nothing could possibly top meeting Mother Teresa and and having that time with her. I, I felt like she, you know she, Jesus was truly living in her because it was so obvious how holy she was to stand, you know, with her and to, to speak with her. But but what what happened later on is that um, through no um, fault of my own or no uh, non-deserving, totally non-deserving on my part, God blessed me with this beautiful friendship with Mother Teresa for about 10 years. Yes, because that's incredible. That unfolded after that meeting. And we met on several more occasions, about a dozen, and some of them were private. And she would end up she would end up writing me many letters, almost two dozen letters during that time, and also speak with me on the phone uh, from Calcutta while I was in the U.S. So yeah. she really mentored me. She mothered me. She got me through some really tough times. And at the time, I had no idea why this was all happening, but I was so thankful mm-hmm. to God. And what turned out. Um, happening later on, I would mm-hmm. see it unfold, um, you know, the, the reasons behind a lot of it. Now I see that it's so that I can share these beautiful blessings with the world, right. you know, with, the, with God, the, the role that God has unfolded in my life. So now I can just, you know, share this, the, the beauty of that wisdom of Mother Teresa. And so that's such a blessing and a responsibility. Yes, and, and all of that is detailed in, in your book, The Kiss of Jesus. Um, so I, I would like to encourage people to go and, and, and find the book. Um, maybe just one last question to conclude, because as you know, we've begun this year of mercy. Would you say that your story and the story in the book, The Kiss of Jesus, is ultimately a, a, a story of mercy? Yes, that's such a good question, and, and I believe so. That you know, it, It's really like my life was a, a long mercy. You know, Our Lord was so merciful toward me even though things looked grim uh, many times. And I, I think that, I really believe, actually, that we need to be merciful people. We need to frequent the sacraments and go to confession, you know, and, and, and receive those beautiful graces so that we can be merciful to others, because it is when we forgive, you know, we forgive the other who is hurting us in some way or who has hurt us, when we can let go of that pain and give it to our Lord, you know, he, he is so merciful, and amazing things will happen from that, miracles in, in human hearts. And I think it, it's so important to to ask for our Lord's mercy in our own lives and to offer mercy to others, to forgive mm-hmm. and to love and to be merciful. Thank you so much for, for those words and for writing the book and for sharing. I know it's not easy to share a story like that, but uh, thank you for doing so. I know that your story will give... Uh, that that message of hope 
uh, to a lot of people who might be going through similar situations and uh, encourage them to to go to the saints as you did <laughs> yeah. um, so you can discover the beauty of the cross. Donna Marie, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. Thank you, and God bless you in your beautiful ministry. Thank you. Donna Marie Cooper O'Boyle is the host of EWTN's Everyday Blessings for Catholic Moms and Catholic Moms Cafe. She's a journalist, an award-winning and best-selling author of numerous Catholic books, and also a popular speaker and retreat leader. Her latest book is The Kiss of Jesus. It's published by Ignatius, and you can find out more about that book and about Donna Marie at her website, DonnaCooperOboyle.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Audrey Assad, with Wonder As I Wander from her new album, Inheritance.
That was Audrey Assad with Wonder As I Wander from her new album, Inheritance. If you don't know who Audrey Assad is, well, she is a singer-songwriter and worship leader. Her debut album, The House You're Building, was released in 2010 and went on to become the Christian Album of 2010 on Amazon.com and the Christian Breakthrough Album of the Year on iTunes. For the last three years, she's been making music independently and doing quite well with three albums. That's one a year. She now has a new album that's coming out in February, Inheritance. And so we're very happy to have Audrey Assad joining us now on the program. Audrey, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes. It's been a little bit of a while, so it's good to be back. It has been, but I mean, as long as you keep putting out albums every year, we can bring you back on the show. That's great. Um, Great. uh, One thing that I think a lot of people don't know about you, I mean, they can sort of figure out your last name, Assad. Your dad is an Arab. In fact, he is a Syrian refugee. Um, Mm -hmm. How how has this whole current situation in Syria and the whole refugee crisis, how, how has it affected you personally and and I and I think your music. Yeah, I um, have naturally been very, very emotionally invested in some of the current affairs of Syria. Uh, My father came here when he was 18, Mm -hmm. and I was very much raised in a, in a, you know, an Arab American household. Uh, There's a lot about my childhood that is very closely tied to my dad's ethnic heritage. And, um, so I care very much, and so I've been following very closely. Sort of, it's hard. It's such a mess, you know. It's hard to make sense out of it all, politically speaking. But in the end of, in, at the end of the day, I think my heart is really for the refugee, yeah. for their welfare, and for their um, their safety, and for their you know ability to hear the gospel and to sense it in our actions. And so, the yeah. way it's really affected me is that privately, I'm doing a lot of work uh, uh-huh. with refugee resettlement. Uh, agencies, and then publicly, I'm certainly speaking up for their plight. Right. Um, and I've been really meditating on the Beatitudes uh, in light of the, the Syrian refugee crisis. Um, how so, so the music is definitely yeah. reflecting that. How, uh, can you, okay, how yeah. so? What, how do you connect the Beatitudes with the refugee crisis? So I think um, really learning to look at people who are in such dire straits as being blessed because okay. of yeah. their poverty mm-hmm. and their need and sort of saying yeah. this is I'm supposed to look at the refugee and not say oh this is a person worthy of my pity even if they are right um, for circumstances you know beyond their control but also this is I'm supposed to emulate something about the way this person is being forced to live I should be choosing that life yeah. a life of poverty a life of sacrifice all of those things and so it not only is incumbent upon me to help them, but it's also important that I learn uh, to be, have the spirit of a pilgrim. So I think, you know, it benefits them, but it also benefits me spiritually, you know, and love refugees. Absolutely. That's a great way to look at, to to see that that they are blessed. I I think a lot of us are okay with this idea that, yeah, no, we are poor beggars in front of God, or we are pilgrims on a journey, but not a lot of us think that we are, in effect, refugees in this life, Mm -hmm. as we hope to get Mm -hmm. home one day. And, And in that sense... I mean that's mm-hmm. that's a really a, really an advent message yes, also. Yes, very much so. I um, agree. Would you say that this album Inheritance is about that idea or about refugees? 
So it definitely plays in. I think uh, several of the songs we chose to record, one being uh, I Wonder As I Wonder, yeah. was, um, several of the songs were written by people who were either sort of homeless or very, very poor. And that song is one. Uh, right. It was the original melody and lyrics were composed by a young girl, um, potential like a street kid kind of thing. And yeah. the guy who arranged it just kind of paid her a quarter for giving him the melody and right. stepped whatever ethics aside, I, you know, the song is beautiful. And I wonder as I wander, it's such a potent and poignant, um, refugee song. And, uh, then we also chose to, I also chose to record, um, Jesus blood never failed me yet, which was again, you know, composed by a homeless Mm -hmm. man on the street. And I really thought, Oh, hymns are for everyone. You know, they're global and, and they cross class lines. They're, they're sort of like little, song cathedrals, the dignity and the beauty that yeah. they lend to anyone who wants to sing them, you know, regardless of their status in society. Yeah. So it definitely uh, impacted the choice to do a hymns record in general, and then some of the songs that we picked. Yeah, that, well, that's really interesting, because, I mean, of course, I'm sure everybody's asking you, Yeah, I mean, the album is inspired by all these hymns that you grew up singing in a Protestant church. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we heard Holy, 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 you mentioned Wonder As I Wander, How Can I Keep From Singing?, uh, be thou my vision. I mean, there's all these hymns that people mm-hmm. know. They're not the most necessarily the most well-known hymns, but I think a lot of people will 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 resonate. They will resonate with a lot of people. Um, um, other than this refugee connection or the Beatitudes connection, was there another reason for doing an album with these about hymns? Was it something about you connecting with your childhood? Very much so. I think growing up, I only sang hymns at church. No music. Uh, no sing, No instruments. Really? So we sang out of the hymn book. Yeah. And three and four part harmony. Uh, And one of the things, and I'm not here to sort of make a statement about the state of Catholic music, but I will say I miss that. Right. Um, I miss the singing. I I miss people singing loud and knowing how and being raised in a tradition where everybody contributed. If you didn't sing, then the music didn't happen, you know? And I, I love that. And I think there's a lesson in that of just real active participation is is alive and well in a lot of these hymnal traditions and so i wanted to record some partially just as a way to introduce them to um my fellow catholics i think and you know again not to make some sort of statement but rather to say isn't this beautiful like isn't this a blessing you know maybe perhaps we could sing these songs no and that's good and i think a lot of a lot of artists i mean matt included matt mahar you mentioned him earlier that we you know they're trying to reclaim some of these hymns maybe rearrange them so that we can keep singing them and maybe that's what we need is the songbook to go with the with the album there you go yeah i'm actually i'm thinking about that (laughs) you know like maybe i need to put a little hymnal out yeah that's great Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. Now, um, there's a, not all, well, most of the songs are him, but I know that at least one of them was written by you, Even Unto Death, and you t- told mm-hmm. me that that was a prayer that was written for the martyrs of the Middle East. Again, that connection with yeah. the Middle East. Tell us about that song. So, uh, in February of 2015, there was a video released by the Islamic State soldiers uh, of them executing 21 uh, Coptic, Coptic Christian men yeah. on a beach. And I, I watched part of it. I couldn't really stomach watching the actual execution, but I watched the beginning and I watched the end. And I was very obviously moved and gripped and sort of tr- a little bit traumatized in a good way, you know, where I really felt a connection to them and to their families and realizing this is a very current problem, mm-hmm. um, real persecution, real martyrdom, 
you know, exists. And I looked at the men and watched their lips moving as they were sort of silently praying, just waiting for their executioners to carry out the execution. And I thought I, I could tell, you know, I, they're saying Jesus in Arabic and other such things. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, man, I, I really hope that's what I would be praying. And at the time, I, I had been going through and you know a very deep spiritual crisis. And I thought, what would I pray if it were me on the beach? Um, I knew I was about to die. Would I really be speaking the name of Jesus like that? And so I wrote, you know, um, the verse and chorus to the song as sort of a prayer for them, but also like, may this be by the grace of God what, what I would pray if my life were about to be over. Wow, that's powerful. And it's a beautiful song. We're going to end the program um, with that song. Um, maybe to end, what... What would be, I mean, obviously you want people to listen to your music and to buy your album, but other than that, what is your hope for this particular album? I really pray that I can draw attention to um, to these certain issues, you know, the refugee crisis, the persecution of Christians and other religions as well in the Middle East, because it's not just them. Um, you know, Muslims are the yes. primary target of all Islamic state violence, so... There's a lot there that I think we need to, as Christians, be paying attention to and really developing solidarity. And so, again, like, I don't, of course, I have my own political opinions privately, but really at the end of the day, I think that we can transcend that Mm -hmm. to come together in a sort of collective gestures of goodwill and peace and, you know, really enacting and like living out the gospel for these people. And so that's my hope. I hope I can be an agent of that. Um, by the sort of things I've chosen to write about and speak about with this record, I hope that I can do some good work for the kingdom in that way. Amen. And especially now that we're entering this year of mercy, I think that's also very mm-hmm, important. Absolutely. Yeah. Not I didn't even know that when I started making it. So yeah. It really I worked out. I was yeah. like, this is so perfect. Yeah. Providential. Anyway, thank you for doing, I mean, I always thank you, but thank you for what you're doing and we love your music. So I'm expecting thank more you. albums next year. Absolutely. I've got them in the works. Good. <laughs> you can learn more about Audrey Assad and pre-order her new album, Inheritance, at her website, AudreyAssad.com. And here now is Audrey with that song that we just spoke about, Even Unto Death, from her new album, Inheritance. Jesus, the very thought of you, it fills my heart with love. Jesus,
We're listening to Audrey Assad with Even Unto Death from her new album, Inheritance. And that will bring us to the end of our program this week. Remember that you can always reach us via email, Facebook, or Twitter at Salt and Light TV, or you can reach me, Deacon Pedro, also through Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us via direct voice message right off our webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can comment on anything that you hear on this program. We will read or listen to every message. And hey, Maybe we will read some of them on the air. So go to your computer or your mobile device and send me a message. If you missed any part of this program, you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at that same webpage, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists and our guests. This show would not be possible without the support of our featured artists and all of our guests. So check them out and support their work. Thank you for listening. May you continue having a blessed Advent season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Jesus, the very